Hey guys, and welcome to the Design of Everything. I'm your host, Kyle Berset. On today's show, I sat down, sat down, I kind of stood next to him while he cut hair. Camden Unglesby, who has a salon called Sheer Rock and Roll, it's in Alexandria, Virginia. So I went down there, I watched him cut a few, uh, cut a few styles into people's heads. Is that how you say it? I don't know. He cut hair, and uh, he does a really great job, and if you can't tell by the salon name, Sheer Rock and Roll, he loves rock and roll. He's very punk, he's got tons of tattoos. If you want to check out a video, I made a little, uh, little video of the experience. I put it up on my YouTube page. You can uh, find that at Kyle Berseth on YouTube or something. Just search my name, you'll find it, and then... Uh, thanks to everyone that's been subscribing. Um, please keep telling your friends, sharing it on Facebook, uh, wherever you can. I really appreciate it. And if you have any suggestions for the show or any feedback, send me an email, kyleberseth at gmail.com. All right, let's get into it. This is my talk with Camden Unglesby about the design of a head. between a uh, stylist, a hairdresser, and a barber. Well, you know, the, those, those lines have been blurred, especially in the last couple of years when um, barbering has more or less hit a real high point and almost like a trend. Mm, right. <laughs> guys, guys got really into uh, the more dapper styles, the tight fades. Tight fades, yeah. Right. And, um, Usually those guys are trained in a much more clipper-based technique. You know, those guys can do a lot of stuff with clipper over comb that a um, like a normal cosmetologist or hairstylist isn't really um, trained in per se. Like a lot of our training is uh, like scissor-based and razors, you know, guarded razors. And um, what do you prefer to use? What's your favorite thing? So I actually like to do a little bit of clipper over comb to uh, to taper in a haircut nice and clean, and then switch it up to a uh, scissor over comb. So it's basically when you have the the comb against the client's hair, yeah, and you okay. have the scissor over that, and that's how you're determining the length. Now something like this where I could even come through with a clipper over comb like while I'm working through just to take out major heavy sections. You can see I've, I've got my comb kind of angled, working with the shape of his head. And I kind of roll straight up from there. So it's something when you started on this cut, I, you know, I guess uh, in terms of your design process of a head, you have all of like, what, a minute to find out what they want? and to boil that down to uh, their vision and your vision? So what I have to do when the, when the client first sits down, you know, I'm taking in their hair texture, the density to the hair. Ooh. And I know 
what certain techniques are going to work for that hair type and what's not. Yeah. So, for example, I have a a number three guard going through his hair right now, and it still looks kind of long, you know, for what we're doing. Now, if I was to do, since my hair sits much finer than his, if I was to do a three guard on my hair, it would look even shorter because mm, there's not as much hair per square inch. Sure. Like, he has much more uh, thicker and volume than I do. So, hair per square inch. Exactly. So An under, uh, underappreciated aspect of hair. <laughs> so, the, um, when it comes down to, like, actual, like, designing, what I have to do is look at the contour of the head. So everybody is shaped very differently, you yeah. know, and so I try to go with the shape as far as how tight. This is my shortest length. I'm not going to go any shorter than this. So you don't want to take that just straight on up because then suddenly you've chopped all, all the stuff down. Sure. So anything just above the ear where the hairline is and then down around the neck, you want to come in with that. And you can see where I put my comb against his head where the comb then leaves the head. Mm-hmm. So I'm taking that straight up. Now when I first came to you, I remember I said, you know, I don't know what's good. You don't go to a vet and say, uh, <laughs> say, hey, you know, here's what I think is wrong with the dog. You'd say, hey, here's, right. here's the here's, symptoms. Yeah, what do, you, what do you think is yeah, wrong what do you here? What, what should I do? So I kind of took it, and I think the exact wording I used is, hey, this is the face I got. What would work well with my and face? And I remember suggesting plastic surgery. Yeah, and then. you started hacking into me, and you were like, I'm a scissors guy. It's cool. And I was like, oh, this doesn't seem right. But then it came out great. Now, again, also, that, de that determines with, like, hair type. Is it straight? It, does it have some wave to it? Does it sit kind of finer? Is it very thick hair? Yeah. Because even though he has thick wavy hair, I've had clients with thick but very straight hair. And honestly, you would see that more in like um, Asian cultures. A lot of their mm -hmm. hair is very thick, but it tends to grow straight out. And then, um, so what I would have to do is determine which tool am I going to use to give him the best look possible. And in your situation, you were wearing your hair much longer at the time. So you had more of like a, a surfer rocker shag. Yeah. I knew we couldn't just get away with doing very blunt cuts with the scissors. So I had to keep it shattered. And that's why. Oh, like yeah, were, there were some nice, nice little um, tapers in there. That's right. That's where you would have to come <laughs> in with like a razor, you know, and, and go back to your question about the difference between barbers and cosmetologists is when a cosmetologist uses a razor, it has to be a razor that has a guard to it, mm. where your barber is able to use a straight blade, something Ooh. you would see in the old school with the strap. Yeah, the old neck slitter. That's right, the old, <laughs> the old neck slitter. So, uh, I think that's what they call it in, in uh, barber school, right? That's right. And you know, the biggest difference too is a lot of places you have to have um, an actual barber pole outside. Do the classic spinning. To let them know that you also white. sell medicine. Correct. <laughs> You've medicinal. Got drugs. That's right. Medicinal marijuana. <laughs> so back in the day, you know, barbers used to do bloodletting, tooth pulling, and um, you know, all sorts of different services aside just from a haircut. Right. So they would have to. That that symbolized 
this is where you can come to get that. We are, you know, we're able to handle blood spill and things like that. Well, I think that's an interesting aspect because it kind of seems like some people treat their barber and stylist, uh, while not as a doctor, as a therapist to a certain extent. Well, yeah, and I, you know, I've got a stack of bills from when I first started cutting your hair. <laughs> I still have to send your way, by the way. So, um, you know, these guys would, uh, you're coming in, you're like, oh, I've got a toothache. Well, let's go ahead and take care of that, too, while I got you here. Well, do you find that people do open up to you a little more once they're in the chair? You know, it's it's quite amazing how, you know, this is a very personable experience. Like, not, not too many jobs, aside from, like, a doctor or even your tattoo artist, is actually physically putting their hands on you. Like, it's, it's kind of strange if you think about it. Yeah. Like, you come in. And you're expecting People me. People do think about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you're expecting me to actually put my hands in your hair. I, I don't know. Sharp yeah, I don't know what's been going on up in there. There's a lot of trust. There's a lot of trust. <laughs> and uh, you know, luckily, I haven't had any situations where uh, I've had to drive my scissors in anybody's head or anything. But uh, the um, the idea with allowing someone to take you back to a sink and wash your hair for you is, is so strange. Is yeah. it, you know, not too many people, you wouldn't just let any old person say, oh, hey, you know what, I'm gonna wash your hair. So few of my family members have washed my hair. Yeah. Yeah, like, you've done it like when, <laughs> like when you go home for Thanksgiving dinner, you're like, hey, you know what, after dinner, why don't we just uh, treat everybody to some, uh, some shampoo and conditioner <laughs> over there in the kitchen sink and get you all set up. I mean, it's, pre it's, it's pretty soothing. So I think you've got, you know, a complete trust and comfort level that happens with a client um, with jobs like that, whether it be your hairstylist, your barber, your tattoo artist, that um, allows you to kind of feel like you can really chat about whatever's on your mind at right. any given time, you know? Right. So, and you also know, since we see so many people throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the year, whatever dark, dirty little secrets that you're telling me are most likely going to be forgotten and put under lock and key <laughs> well, by the end of the week. What's the dirtiest, darkest secret that you've ever heard? Oh, I've heard, I've heard all sorts of stuff. I've heard of, um, you know, I've had clients ask me for advice on, they didn't know what to do because they were having a, uh, an affair on their spouse. Wow. And this person didn't know. Um, I've had clients come in and tell me about um, drug addictions that their partners didn't know that they had yeah. and they were asking me you know what, well, what do you think I should do man you know how can I get out of this because I love these people in my life but I don't want to hurt them anymore yeah and uh, you know I think in today's society too where we've come a long long way with how subcultures are perceived in our normal society you know I think back in the you know 60s and 70s if you would have walked into a, a hair salon and you saw a guy standing there like myself with half black, half red hair, face tattoos, and a bandana, you'd be like, "Well, this is yeah, this is not where I'm coming to." Well, I think this that's is... a, that's an interesting <laughs> uh, thing to jump off from. Is I don't think you look like a typical stylist. Right. So you know, with that being said, you've got um, 
a lot of things that have really become not even necessarily mainstream, but more well aware. Like our parents growing up were, you know, going to heavy metal shows, punk rock shows, right. and things well, like your that. Parents, so, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, and then they had kids, and you know, here we are today. So, and yeah, then your uh, daughter's getting her ears pierced. Exactly, <laughs> she's got her ears pierced, and she's got both my girls have. Um, pink and blue and purple streaks through their hair yeah and not too many uh six and four year olds out in the neighborhood are uh sporting the mermaid hair i think that's interesting too is i don't think you look like a typical dad do you stand out at the pda meetings i, th I think down <laughs> or at the has it become uh are people more well that's definitely a valid question too where um you know, when I first got involved in some of these co-op schools, you know, not only did the parents not know what to make of me, right. but, you know, the children didn't either. You know, they're kind of like, this guy is kind of scary looking, but yet, you know, he's he's the dad of my friend Reagan or my friend Harper. So, yeah. you know, it can't be all that bad. And then I think once you get to uh, spend actual time with these people, you realize, you know, we're all in it. We're all in it for the same thing. We want our kids to do well. We want the community to thrive. And uh, we want to make a safe yet fun space for all our kids to go to school, have fun, and get the most out of uh, their learning experience that they can. And be the coolest dad uh, while doing it, right? Oh, Isn't well, that? yeah, I mean, obviously. <laughs> but then, um, you know, also with that, like once Jenny and I opened this hair salon, and we were, you know, trying to tell everybody, like, look, you know, we've got this little space that is kid-friendly, family-friendly. You should come in and trust me with you and your kid's hair. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> and tell me your darkest, dirtiest secret. That's right, exactly. Tell, <laughs> tell me about, you know, what, what runs to your head at 2 in the morning when you can't sleep. How you wanted the <laughs> minivan, but your wife wanted <laughs> <laughs> the Grand Caravan. <laughs> So and it, it goes both ways too. Like I never hung out in circles with, uh, you know, moms and dads that were yeah. lawyers and doctors and whatever else have you. Yeah. You know, my circle has always been punk rock shows and heavy yeah. metal concerts and that kind of thing. So um, I think once once people take a chance on not only any stylist that they've never been to before, but someone that they have never seen that doesn't look like the typical hair sauce they knew back home in Nebraska or wherever sure, they're from. Sure, sure, yeah. And, you know, in this area, it's very, we get people from all over the U.S. So, you know, what... And the world. Right. So, like, what their hairstylist back home looked like was probably vastly different from what they were seeing. Yeah. And um, I think once these people really get to know you, build a rapport and trust you with their hair and you know you send them out with a couple of solid hairstyles They're like all right this is this guy's for real this isn't just yeah you know well building that trust right that's a that's something i'm interested in because so you get a new client you ask them you know let's say they were referred to you by someone so maybe their friends or whatever you're coming in with a little information about maybe what their personality's like right you see what they're currently working with, but they're coming to you for a reason. And they may have not even seen you. You know, on our websites, there are pictures of us and how we look. Right. But like you said, if, if my friend is making a recommendation and I love the way their hair looks, 
I'm not even going to question him. Like, oh, okay, you know, I'll show up. Yeah. And uh, I think the best way to ease into any new client-stylist relationship is to honestly just, just uh, you know, drop the act. You know, you are just another human coming in to get your hair cut. Try to relate to them on any level that you can and kill them with kindness. You know, it's like, it's stressful. If uh, your stylist back home has been cutting your hair, your mom and dad's hair for the last 12 years, and then suddenly you're in a new city, a new place with a, yeah. a new hairstylist, you, know, you don't know what to expect. And you're making new friends. You want to look confident. You want right. to feel good about yourself. <laughs> that, that's, yeah, very true. You want to go out and know that your hair looks good, um, especially if you're like new to the dating scene in whatever city you just moved to. You, know, you want to go out to the bar and think, great, you know, I have zero confidence to so the guy down down the street just chopped my hair all apart. Right. Well, I think uh, that happens on a regular basis is the guy down the street chops hair all apart. And some people go to that same person for years and years and years and continue to have a funny looking head for the majority of their life. There's a lot of truth to that, too. Like you, you have a lot of people that they've just grown accustomed to that's what they think uh, their hair is supposed to look like. Right, and I imagine you have people come to you Correct. with that situation. So how do you slowly uh, maybe change their perception of what's available or, uh, you know, what what could be done to um, make them look better and feel better? Well, yeah, you can always build off of uh, what's already there. And I try to explain to them, you know, I do... Here's, here's the technique that I like to use when doing this particular style. Um, here's how I cut hair. So it might look a little different the first go around for you. Yeah. Since you have someone completely different cutting your hair. But it'll be the same style, but you might notice things like maybe it's growing in softer. Maybe it's um, easier to style. Like I cut everything very connected. You know, I don't like any real heavy lines. I don't like a lot of bulk anywhere sure so i like these haircuts to look good for the four to six weeks until you can come back in and a lot of times guys will like the way my haircuts are growing in because it doesn't have any of that you know unless you really want like that long up top shaved underneath yeah hairstyle you know they're able to get some ample time out of these cuts and they'll come in for even like a quick neck cleanup or um i can uh take some thinning scissors to the sides and back and you know have it lay a little softer again and then suddenly they're getting an additional two three weeks out before getting a real yeah full haircut and uh and when they come in the next time first thing you say to them is oh that feels soft that's right like this grew out really well like, you know how was it and then you have to ask them some questions like well what worked and what didn't work yeah do you like the way that is set at like week two or three. Right. Were you having any particular areas of trouble? The um Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's a that dialogue is so important. Like I used to do landscape design and I would always be like, Well what do you hate about the plan? What do you not like about the plan or what do you love about the plan? And a lot of clients, you know, they really don't give it that much thought. Yeah, like you might even be picking their brain on it and then they're thinking about the uh, the idea of what you just presented to them and didn't even realize that certain aspects were driving them crazy. Right. And like, oh, well, now that you mention it, yeah, like, like I can tell for him right now, since we leave it a little longer, 
he's going to have a problem with when this grows out, it's going to sit kind of shelfy right along where I put in the shortest spot and then switch it to a scissor cut where I'm basically blending that. Yeah. So I'm going to have to make sure that after it's dry too, I'm going to have to soften this whole thing up all the way around to make sure that by like, you know, the third week he's still digging it. Yeah. And it we're doesn't really, look, we're look really super seeing wide. the softer side of Camden here. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot that goes on internally, which is you know, usually I find myself I get so you know, into into what I'm doing with the haircut that we'll go a full forty five minutes and I haven't said one word to the person. And really? Then, okay. But they could see that I'm I'm into <laughs> You're what doing yeah. I'm, right. I'm I'm in a zone. You know, obviously we had our greeting and our hello. And I probably went back and got you a beer or a glass of wine, and you're just watching, uh, watching it all unfold. But uh, yeah, I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot you were here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh yeah, you're you're here. There's there's actually this isn't just a mannequin head I'm working on. There's actually a person attached to this head of hair. So, going off of the idea of, you know, you've got tons of tattoos. You're into metal punk how do you bring that aspect of your personality into styling hair i think it's important to uh, be relatable you know like you can look like if you look around the room in here you have four men that look completely different yeah very different styles but we're all here because we all get along <laughs> you know like you know we're all kind of hanging out and, and have hair yes and have no hair. bald people in the room right. Right now. <laughs> no, not a not a bald man amongst us <laughs> however i still have guys that like to come in just to hang out and talk and they'll even though they're almost totally bald up top they'll let this get a little scruffy yeah and i'll shave that down for them shave down the top rinse them off clean them up and it's just it's more about like getting out of the house Coming to have, you know, casual conversation. And, uh, you know, you can shave your own head at the house. Sure. But, you know, then you're making a mess of your place. And it's stressful for you because, you know, you've got your hands up over your head and you're trying to use the mirrors and whatever and make sure you, you got everything off the back of your head nicely. And um, I know a couple people that cut their own hair and it's not even a shave. It's a, a fade. I know a woman that cuts her own hair. Now, if they're walking around and they're cutting their own hair and it looks like they've been to the salon, that's that's a whole other talent in itself. That is impressive. Yeah, as a as someone that likes punk, you gotta appreciate the DIY aspect <laughs> that's of that right. a little bit. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, again though, you know, it's uh, it's just letting them know, like, you know, yeah, we might be vastly different people living vastly different walks of life, but we are still on the same mission. We're all just spinning on this rock in space that we call earth and we want to look good and have fun while we're here yeah so sometimes it's fun to talk to someone that is either your polar opposite or uh just kind of living a, a different way of life than you are and you sit and talk and you compare notes and you hash it out and then when you boil it down you're like oh yeah we're all the same yeah we are literally the same and that's what's fun about the era that we're living in and you know, thanks to shows like uh, all the TLC tattoo shows, you know, I think that's really helped bring a lot of uh, mainstream recognition 
to uh, people to with tattoos. Culture. Yeah, there you go. Fringe, exactly. Fringe culture. That are less that? fringe now. Did you coin that? Is that... I, yeah, I coined fringe culture. <laughs> <laughs> but the, uh, yeah, so I think, uh, you know, a long time ago, you know, when you're walking around, you saw the guy with the big green mohawk and the, the neck tattoos. You're like, oh, that's, that's someone you want to cross the street and right. you, know, you want to stay away from that guy. And now it's just like, ah, oh, he just likes painting and music. Right, exactly. <laughs> now he's just like, you know, let's sit around and listen to Black Sabbath records and talk about, you know, how our kids drove us crazy that uh, that early in the morning at 5 a.m. when they're jumping on your neck. Right, right. Yeah, when I moved to L.A., I found, like, I mean, you have so many creative people go there, of course, so it just, like, opened my eyes up to, like, oh, whoa, I've been a little closed-minded. I feel like you get that in D.C. to a certain extent. It's more of a button-up town, I think. Well, with Washington, it's funny, too, because uh, I think a lot of that happens to do with uh, who's in office. You know, when we were yeah. switching, uh, switching gears from Bush to Obama, you, know, you had a situation where the Republicans were in office. It was a very... Um, this, the country was in a very militaristic state of mind because we were um, at war with Iraq. Um, you know, I even had my brother went over to the Middle East for a long time and has some stories that uh, no other human being should be subjected to. Mm-hmm. And then you saw that kind of uh, transference of power for us where we just wanted to bring our troops home. We wanted to be able to have fun again and not fear that every airplane that's flying through the sky is going to drop into our house or a building that we're working in. So you had, and I don't know if it's a direct relation with you know it being democratic, but once the Democrats um, moved in, you saw a much looser style, much more laid back kind of state of mind. You know, it was yeah, um, Obama's fun. Yeah, you know, and literally it ran on a platform of change, and that's what we were hungry for at the mm -hmm. time. And uh, that's right around the time when I was really taken off in my career. And I noticed like a lot of my clientele change, you know, the jobs change, people have to move in and out of the oh, area. Oh, okay. And um, we actually had a lot of people move from Chicago, to, you know, that's where he was from. And um, it just brought a, uh, a happy vibe to everything. And then- Yeah, you're you know, worried about well, it'll be interesting to see how that changes again. And I will tell you, even in the last couple of weeks, um, I've had more Republican um, employees that work for you know that party and, mm -hmm. and more Trump supporters than um, Obama supporters, even Hillary supporters. And I've you know received emails and texts and phone calls like, oh, hey, you know, now there's a change of administration. I've got to go back to our you know, wherever I'm, whatever the city they may be from. Yeah. So, you know, can I real quick swing through for like a quick touch up and then, you know, kind of like the last haircut, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, I got to go back, got to go back home now. <laughs> and you have, yeah, it's crazy. Like this is one of the few cities that is, I think, not only hit last with economic issues, but um, there's always a revolving door. Oh, it's so transient. And so many people are like, high education so they've got a bachelor's and then they go off to law school or Correct. they go to grad school and then yeah. they come back <laughs> like. yep, yep and i think with uh 
the the last uh, eight years, you had people moving into the area and then staying for much longer than people had been staying in Washington D.C. before. Okay. You know, you have a lot of people that you know lived in the burbs and had you know lived and worked throughout Northern Virginia and D.C. Yeah. For a long time, but then uh, I had more people actually like stay with me for longer periods of time as a client than ever before. Okay. And I I don't know if that's because he did two terms and like jobs were kind of like, you know, didn't have to shift hands with anything just yet. Well, I think also with the, like you said, there was a recession in the rest of the country. So it's like, you're not going to find a job that's better elsewhere. You should stay in DC and keep the job you had. Right. And, uh, you know, I had people with um like a friend of mine had his uh, master's in psychology and at that time he couldn't find a job that was willing to meet him on his uh salary needs as, as a psychologist so yeah. eventually he just ended up picking up a gig uh, bartending and serving tables but still making ample enough money to pay his rent pay his bills and do what he needed to do Another another armchair psychologist, though, is a bartender. <laughs> exactly. It's almost like you had these professionals that were in that era kind of coming out of school, and then they're like, well, the market it has still hadn't fully recovered. Right. And it, it's, you know, the butterfly effect into D.C. was so minimal. People, like you said, people were retaining jobs. D.C. was growing. Yeah. So, like, oh, well, I'll just keep doing what I'm doing because I'm, getting by just fine like why did i waste all this time in school i think we're going to see some of that change a little bit well do you think getting back to hair now with your long-term clients after a while do you see uh speaking of change do you see you know they get the same haircut over and over and then do you ever suggest or push them maybe to try something new well, there are definitely situations where I'll see a particular look that uh, I feel like I've been cutting a lot of. And, you know, you get on the metro and you're like, oh, well, every other man on this metro train has a faux hawk. Right. You know, or every other man on this train has the, um, you know, the bald sides and back, the undercut yeah. with a slick back. Yeah. And I think what I try to do is just make, you know, subtle suggestions that would be easy to actually take it back to the initial style that they want yeah so what i would say with like the undercut style is well why don't we work in more of a fade you sure. know, instead of it just being shaved off all the way up and then you're kind of stuck with that look until it grows out again yeah <laughs> and then um and then you've got to keep it tight too right because then when it starts to grow out it looks fluffy yeah so so why don't we give it more shape you know it'll retain the uh the cleanliness of the uh dapper style a little bit longer and then I find, especially like you're saying with the um, administration changing, some people are trying to get away from the uh, very edgy looks. And uh, know go, with a, uh, go with a tight part. That's right. <laughs> and, well, and in this area, it was considered, that style was considered edgy too, because it would come in with like a skin fade, then want like that real polished, uh, shaved in line. Yeah, that part. like 1920s look. Exactly. And that 30s. was considered edgy. Yeah. So you, know, you almost have to have something that's a little more 
um i love that a, a, like every a very tight part is considered edgy yeah wow. yeah it, it really was and then you know if you wore it you know slicked over with a, a shiny pomade that made it look a little more dressier you can get away with that at work but then people were also able to wear it a little messier with like a, a clay or something that had much more of a chunky style to it yeah so on the weekends it was you know a little more playful looking so to speak yeah that's an interesting balance that you have to or an interesting line that you have to you know kind of tread tread is that the word i don't know toe you gotta toe, yeah, toe the line, line. You gotta, <laughs> a, a line you gotta toe where i guess uh what they're doing during the week versus what they're doing during the weekends well also you know once i see like I said about like the you know the metro, you know you see so many people that really take the trend and just beat the hell out of it until you know every single person looks exactly the same. Right. Like I can't remember what year it was, but everybody was doing the faux hawk stuff, and you know it's a cool style, it's a cool look, and I think Say like uh, 2009. Yeah, because you know also like when you get a celebrity that really wears it, like David Beckham is a uh, men's fashion icon yeah he wears all wells very you know, all all looks very well and uh you know guys know that ladies like the way he looks so they're like oh well if he's wearing it i'm i'm obviously gonna have luck when i go out meeting women to do the same thing and you think that's not true i think that's i think that's very true i think uh <laughs> i think people see that look and they're like oh that's kind of like uh this is like it's a poor like man's the, David yeah, Beckham, not yeah, bad. Yeah. <laughs> so he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have quite have the physique or the money as David Beckham, but hey, <laughs> you know, I'll take what I got. Or the looks or the athletic ability. Yeah, or the, right. <laughs> exactly. But the hair. That's right. He's got that hair going on for him. I like it. <laughs> yeah, then uh, Beckham was one of the first that I saw with... Uh, a larger beard and even like a much fuller mustache. I think it was the um, the Olympics when he was on on the uh, torch lighting ceremony. Yeah. He came down. I think they were on a boat in a canal, and I remember he had like a much larger, uh, almost like they had been cutting down his beard but left the mustache fuller, and he had like the fuller uh, hard part cut in with like the micro pomp going on with like the hard shave, almost like a skin fade going on. Yeah. So it was right after that is when I had a lot of guys pulling from that look. Okay, and I guess, how do you keep up with the trends? I keep up with the trends by, uh, you know, really just seeing what um, musicians are doing, you know, and you know, even though I do like a cool lot of- people. Yeah, even though I do like a lot of the fringe culture, you know, I still have my, uh, my closet crushes. You know, I, I like Bruno Mars. Okay. I, I like Lady Gaga, you know, that's my my guilty pleasures. You've just been uncloseted. That's right. Wait, wait. <laughs> We're going to go back and do that. Oh, speaking <laughs> of which, this is, I think that's inter an interesting aspect of what you do, is you're in a profession where I think as a man, a lot of people might assume you to be gay right off the bat, before meeting you, let's say that. Well, and I think that may even change over the years, because even um, you know, as I've gotten older and having kids, obviously, not only my fitness and activity level has dropped quite a bit, <laughs> but uh, 
you know, the, the, the way I dress looks very different too, yeah. you know, and uh, I used to wear the expensive t-shirts and jeans and now, you know, my favorite outfits are from H&M or even Target, you yeah. know, it's just a little more. So I think that those presumptions may have died down a little bit because most most uh, gay men I've met dress pretty sharp and oh, ma maintain a uh, but I mean what's a gym that lifestyle like in a, in a uh, field where I think you're from, working primarily with women and gay men theoretic I don't know well, I'm not an expert on the demographics but <laughs> I think since you know I. I am in a line of work that definitely would come with those presumptions. I was already aware of those assumptions. Yeah. Um, it doesn't bother me because you have to be comfortable in your own skin anyway. Sure. You know, like I know, I know what I'm all about. I know what I'm into. You know, I know who I am. And that is actually an interesting question because I have had clients for several years had no idea I was married with kids, and they <laughs> did. They did think I was married. <laughs> They just thought I was kind of, and that's, that could also be a um, perception that pop culture may have, may have even pushed on society. Oh, yeah, you know? I, would, I would think so. Like, you have a lot of people that really don't have any gay friends and aren't exposed to gay culture at all on a daily basis. So when they think gay, they think... Um, you know the the skinny male in high heels with the martini glass. That's over uh, the top. Yeah, right. over the top, kind of. Right. You know, playing a generic role. Just like people might look at you and assume you're gonna throw them through this uh, glass window. Correct. Which that <laughs> that is a stunt plate, by the way. So we might have to work that in later. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All everything that's glass in here. <laughs> that's right. We'll have a, we'll have a good time with that. We'll pull out some tables and you know pile drive you through some tables too. But the, uh, you know, most gay men that I have encountered personally are like some pretty gnarly looking dudes with tattoos, mm -hmm. you know, they hit the gym so they're in really good shape, big muscles, Great and, shape. you know, <laughs> tight haircuts, so they look very intimidating. And, uh, you know, in particular, I had a coworker, uh, which became a great friend of mine, this guy, Bryce, he was the first uh, gay male that I met that was covered head to toe in tattoos, rode a custom motorcycle with like skull pieces all over it. Yeah. And um, his husband is a bodybuilder. <laughs> okay, so he's now, got a stand shape. Right, so, <laughs> no, yeah, but I had no idea that this guy was gay, because again, I was coming from, at that time, a, a hair salon in the suburbs of Old Town. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, I, I walked into this salon, and I was like, wow, everyone here is covered in tattoos. This is kind of like, punk rock heaven going on in here <laughs> and then uh i see this guy come pulling up I mean, at first i feel the walls shaking and the floor shaking i'm trying to figure out what is happening and i see him pull up on this custom built motorcycle that uh it sounds like a, a freaking jet yeah. parking in the front lot there and then uh his husband gets off the back <laughs> right <laughs> hubby hops off the back and i'm looking at and these two like, like the hell are you looking at right like these two very intimidating men standing there. I'm like, I, I don't know what's going on because <laughs> these guys both could whip my ass right now. But at the same time, that one hopped off the back of the other one's motorcycle. So I, I don't know what this relationship is. And then you're like, oh, 
So gay men don't necessarily have to be right. th these skinny little twinks, you know, shashaying everywhere they go with, you know, this uh, common misconception put around. They can be these badass-looking dudes, dudes, these masculine yeah. dudes, and they just... And the difference there is that they like men as opposed to women, so... And the same thing goes for women, too. Like, I've had... I still have some of the most gorgeous women that come into my chair and it's intimidating for me as a as a straight guy so I'm like okay th this I have a certain bar to hit this woman is used to having her hair look on point she's got you know the expensive heels the expensive outfit you know she's just flawless she obviously takes care of herself physically you know and I'm standing there shaking in my combat boots I'm like okay what you know how am I going to help this person and then they start talking about their wife yeah. Okay. Like, oh, okay. So lesbians don't necessarily have to wear cut off camo shorts and have like a, a tight men's haircut and drive a truck. She's probably actually incredibly frustrated about men constantly hitting on her. I would imagine so. <laughs> yeah. And I think for some people that's actually, especially for some women, that's actually a nice, comfortable place to be because if they can just kind of go about their normal day-to-day -day and just brush people, you know, men off, like the cat calling, so they go home to their wife and it just reaffirms who they are. It's just like, yeah. can you believe what I had to deal with today? You know, it's just like walking around with us. But, you know, the, the point behind that is, uh, you know, the more cultures and people I come across, I'm always impressed with um, people that are breaking those those barriers down and those uh, cookie cutter images that I think a lot of movies, television, and television has pop really, culture. yeah, it's a misconception that is not true at all. Yeah. Time for a little break from our sponsors. This week's show is brought to you by Jose's Gourmet Coffee. With a sweet and floral aroma, a taste that's whiny and fruity, full body, smooth finish, you're going to love Jose's coffee. At Jose's, they're passionate about coffee, and it's their pleasure to share with you their experience in selecting and roasting the finest beans from across the world. At the heart of everything they do is great coffee. They believe that a beautiful cup of coffee shared with a friend is one of the greatest pleasures in life. Isn't that true? I mean, who doesn't want to sit down with a friend and share a cup of coffee? Till you gotta poop, and that's when it's awkward. Like, I gotta go to the bathroom, but I gotta ask for the code. That's why you should get some Ho Jose's coffee. Make that coffee at home. You don't need to ask for the, uh, the bathroom code. Alright, let's get back to the podcast. You want to come in nice and tight on this one? Yeah, I think so. Not, not like crazy aggressive. I still have to go to work, but you know. Oh, <laughs> we talked about that. We did Same. talk about that. Yeah, but that's that's balance easy. Personal I was saying, like, life and work life. Yeah, like that's right. the yeah, it's almost like the tighter, but like the like, the difference between the two lengths will determine like how edgy it looks and, and feels. Right. Yeah. Like if I was to take this down to a bald fade, but keep the length because it was so different from each part yeah like people will see that and they're like is it some kind of liberal yeah, the comments would never stop <laughs> believe me so yeah i'll leave it i'll start a little longer and you know if you 
feel like you want to go shorter. All right. You can do that. Sounds good. But what I've noticed is, like, when I do film stuff and I'm on camera, I think I'm being, like, really big. And then when I watch it, it's like, oh, boy, I felt like I was, like, out of my body. And I feel like the hair is the same way. <laughs> you feel, like, a lot different because it's it's a big step. But Yeah, it's like my, that cold sore on my lip can't be that bad. And then when you <laughs> talk to somebody, all they're doing is staring at it. And you're like, good God, is it really that obvious? So, uh, with starting this new business, it sounds like you've been receiving a little drama in your old business. And I'm curious to know, with um, clients, you know, if someone leaves you as a stylist, do you feel cheated on? It's such a personal relationship. Well, that's like we were saying earlier, you know, when we were talking earlier about... Um, how people tend to just totally open up in this line, you know, like the clients just tend to really open up in the conversation. And um, I think a lot of folks, once they find somebody that they really click with, you know, they'll, they'll tend to stick with them. And, sure. you know, like I get it, you know, it's, this is a, it's not like the soup, the most fast paced city in the world, but people are on tight schedules and you really have to drive to a lot of different places. So that takes time. And really, it's about trying to find convenience. And I do have some people that will still go up to the old shop, but then, you know, when they can get down here on a weekend, like in the interim, you know, they'll they'll tag out and come down this way, and yeah, you know, because they like um, it's a different vibe, it's a different ambiance, you know. It's a we're just such a small studio. Like when you walked in, you know, I was able to make you a mimosa. I was able to give him a beer. Like, I wouldn't be able to really do that at the, the bigger shops because not only do they have more codes to follow, but they have more just sheer number of people. You yeah. Know? Like, I don't have enough Great Lakes for 14 people, <laughs> you know, that's hanging out wanting a beer. That's when you got to get the keg. But it's where you got to get the keg reader. But I think with, like, you know, as far as drama up from clients... Again, it's just, you, you know, you have you can't take it as a stylist. You can't take it super personal. You have to understand that, you know, sometimes people just have to do what works best for their schedule. Yeah. And it's nothing personal between you and them. But it's just the way. I mean, it's, even when I was starting out in my, you know, I was still refining my technique. Um, I'm sure there were definitely some questionable haircuts that I had. Oh, I wanted to get to that. Good. Walk out the door, you know. Yeah. So, like uh, one of the guys I have today, he was coming to me even when I was an apprentice. Yeah. So he, you know, he's watched. Price was right. Right, price was right. <laughs> but he, not only that, but he's watched my technique evolved. He's watched um, his head evolve. That's right. His hairstyle <laughs> progressively get better and better. And uh, you know, from that regard, I think uh, if I was a if I was a client. I would take some pride in that knowing, like, hey, you know, I was with this guy from, since the beginning. Like, this is pretty cool. We built sure. up a real, like my friend who does my tattoos. Like, I remember going to him when he was still apprenticing. And, you know, besides You're the fact like, that we're... Stick to the, uh, right. stick to the hidden area. <laughs> it, is anything still under the clothing? <laughs> but uh, it's, it's fun because not only is he your friend, but you've also watched his technique and, and talent really flourish and has he ever gone back to one of your previous tattoos and said 
Hey, I was never really happy with how that one came out. Can I uh, can I go over it? And yeah, yeah. Do a little yeah. something there. Yep, I've had um, uh, another friend of mine that's done a lot of work on me. He uh, went through and touched up a few of them. Was like, you know, I I see room for improvement, you know, here or there. So why don't we just go ahead and <laughs> since you're here, let me, let me fix that, please. Yeah, while you're here, let's let's hook that up. Well, that's the nice part about hair. It's going to grow back. Well, and I've done the same thing with, uh, like, spouse, you know, couples that I have. They'll come in, and I'll, I might just be doing, um, in one case in particular, I was doing the wife's hair. But, I, like, a couple weeks before, I had just cut the husband's hair. And I was like, you know, if you don't mind, like, I just see a little something that I could take care of while you're here. Yeah. So, especially if you take what you do serious, you're always striving for perfection, and you're trying to better your own techniques and so how do you continue to grow at this point what's the future of hair camden honestly i think it's a lot of uh continuing continuing education yeah like there are always new tools that you should really learn how to achieve certain looks with um like some of the new you know for example like girls like wearing the the long barrel curled styles with some of the hand painted highlights you know like i'm sure you've seen them in la with the ombre balayaged highlights that the girls are wearing where it's kind of oh hard. man can't take my eyes off <laughs> <laughs> so they have special curling irons that don't have the same type of like attack uh to it so now you have to get a special hot glove and it's just like a hot oh, rod yes in you. my wife has that <laughs> yes. yeah yeah and you open the the bathroom drawer and you're like why is this full of very phallic looking tools what is going on here your well, old client amy winter who introduced me yeah. to you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my wife introduced her to that, and she she said her uh, quote was, oh my God, I look like I should be on the cover of Us Weekly. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ask her why she wasn't? Like, well, and why she's aren't not famous. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like even tools like that and learning what's available to um, the general public as far as like hair color and tools as well. Yeah. You're able to kind of like bring what people are doing to their hair at home because i don't like doing anything that you can't achieve at home either that makes sense like if if you're not gonna be able to replicate the style i gave you then what's the point in having it done you know it's just gonna be frustrating for right. them right and then that could turn away a client as well you're like well he gave me a look that i just can't even manage at the house so i'm going to go to someone that you know is going to provide me with a look that i can manage at the house so you're probably you're probably at what, like three thousand heads per year. How many? How are we many talking about hair? Hair clients? Yeah, talking we're talking about hair. About hair. <laughs> um, well, if you had to do the math, which you know I'm awful at, let's, let's just say anywhere between ten and twelve clients a day for four days a week. Jeff's got a calendar. Good, good thing for that. <laughs> so we'll say like 2,000 maybe. Yeah. yeah. 2,500 is, is 12. Okay. Well, okay. then, you know, you have to think too, like not all of those are one-time clients. Of course. So you have to take in consideration some of these people, they get their hair cut, especially like uh, like this haircut. Like we cut this, what, every, yeah, every month? Like once a month, so every Three, four, four weeks? weeks yeah. yeah. Because then as soon as you start to see the taper grow out, too, it starts to feel fuzzy. And, yeah. like, you know, same with you. Like, what is this? Every, Every four, weeks. four weeks for you? 
I guess my point is you're probably what, what hitting. Is your point? Hey, I got a lot of points to make. <laughs> <laughs> you're probably hitting your like uh, quote unquote ten thousand hours somewhere in there. Have you already? You think you've already hit that? How long have you been cutting hair? So I've been cutting hair for. Styling, sorry. Well, let's let's <laughs> let's call it ten years just for okay. ma- mathematics. So officially on the floor full time since about 2006. Yeah, so you're probably getting up there. Yeah. You're probably at your sweet point where you can just see ahead and pretty much say this this is what needs to happen here. Yeah, I can I can definitely and that's almost a curse too if like you're riding the metro and you're kind of sitting there with your I wanted to on. ask you about that, <laughs> seeing people in public, and you're just like, I can fix you. Yeah, you're just like, <laughs> I, if I started taking my scissors to some of these hockey games, I could just, like, make a kill <laughs> down there at the Green Turtle. <laughs> it's like, if I just start bringing some scissors around with me, like, we'd, we'd be all right. Did it even start out as a creative outlet? Or is it a creative outlet? I think when I first started, it was literally trying to find a form of trade work that would give me the flexibility to play in the bands and take time off when I need it and uh, and not have to answer to anybody. Yeah. And then, um, of course, those goals change once you have, you know, a growing family. So, you know, you know you're, you actually have to show up. I think they call that selling out. Yes. So once you sell out, <laughs> sell your soul to the, uh, the corporate world, um, yeah, you know if you're not showing up and hitting a certain amount of uh, numbers, you're not going to be able to afford, you know, the health insurances and the tuitions for school and, you know, all that kind of thing. So the, um, I think the creative outlet behind it is, yeah, I truly enjoy what I do. So I get a lot out of it and I learn every day. Like, my, I find myself still striving for perfection and still trying to learn new techniques to make these haircuts even better. So to that regard, I think the, the unin, like you, you just kind of achieve the creative outlet by accident. Like that comes along. Like if you like what you do and you want to be good at it, you're already kind of getting that, that release along with that already, you know? And ha- do you notice that progress in yourself or... Or have you noticed it where it's like, or do you, does time just go by and you don't really think about it? I think now that, um... Because, for example, like with stand-up, I can see, like, when I was in D.C., I was just saying words on stage and trying to get out thoughts. Then when I went to L.A., started taking, like, acting classes, I was like, oh, I could make my voice louder and make it quieter here and do different voices and and characters and be more dynamic and just like building on that sort of thing has been interesting for me and I've noticed it myself but I guess have you noticed that? Well I think uh, staying stagnant can be uh, the death of your career too something like this. And happiness. Yeah and if you're just kind of showing up every day rolling through the motions, doing the same thing every day, every day, without any uh, grander vision of perfecting who you are and, and what you're doing for a job, um, you're not going to see yourself last very long either. 
Whereas, you know, especially going into business for myself, you, you know, I've been trying to put out some of the best work that I possibly can. I mean, that sometimes that may cause me to run behind because I'm really trying to perfect someone's look and yeah. hairstyle and color. Um, but I also hope that the customer or customers that are waiting, especially with this being such a small studio, you know, we're all kind of in the conversation. You know, like when you guys were all sitting around, like that was cool to toss. Like even though you were waiting, it's cool because you're still engaged in the conversation and then you can see what's happening. Like I'm not just uh, sit, standing here trying to waste your time. I'm really trying to put out a, a solid product and a really good haircut. All right, that was Camden Unglesby. If you are in the D.C. area, head on down to Sheer Rock and Roll Studio, get a haircut from Camden, and uh, build some trust. You know, I think if there's anything that we learned, it's that if you've got a stylist, you gotta have some trust. They're gonna be touching you. They're gonna be around your head with sharp objects. That's someone that you wanna trust. You can tell them your deep, darkest secrets. And while you're at it, you can get a good haircut and you can feel good about yourself. All right, once again, if you uh, want to give any feedback to the podcast, send me an email at kylebersetth at gmail.com and head over to my website, kylebersetth.com. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. <laughs>